episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for the Supercoach special episode this week, which is a big buy round special. Round 17 buy round is upon us. It's a huge, huge buy round being the last one before we hit the run home for Supercoach. So who better to get on board for this one than my man, Billy. Billy, round 17 is here. Probably the last chance for us to have really, really big green arrows for the ones that are playing overall. So Pretty critical round this round seventeen by. Yeah, it's supposed to be the fun part of the year, isn't it? You, know, you spend all year all year planning for something like this, but um a few spanners can get chucked in the works as well. So yeah, see what happens on the other side of it, mate. Yeah, so if you've if you tuned into the round thirteen one, this is a bit different to our standard TLT ones. It's a buy round special. So we're gonna have a look at the best uh, buy round purchases, but a few other things that we're gonna do as well. We will have a look at sales first and selling strategies and strategy talk around that, as well as buying strategy at the end as well, where we're looking at the C's and the VC options. But the big thing is that the bulk of it's going to be when we're looking at the buys and the buy strategy, we're going to go through all the positions one by one and all the big buy options in each position. Certainly, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, this is a super coach episode. As I said, we've got these every Tuesday that we record and they'll hit on on Wednesday. And we've got the talk and footy episodes too, which will be back this week with talk and footy. Hitting with a brand new guest that hasn't been on yet, but he's been around in a lot of the other rugby league podcasts. So excited to get him on to have a chat. Uh, and that'll hit on this Friday as well. But to start off, um, I'll, I'll mention that I've had a really bad cold for the last week. So if I struggle a little bit, I apologize, but I really want to get this buy episode out there. Um, Billy's in sunny Queensland, so it's nowhere, nowhere near as bad as Sydney, is it, Billy? That's right, mate. I'll carry you. <laughs> to answer your question, mate. Yeah, it's nowhere near as bad as Sydney, mate. We're just whinging about our 12 degrees at the moment. We're all rugged up in extra T-shirts up here, buddy, and a, a nice little warm Bundy. So let's start off by talking about the cells, Billy. So obviously, the, I think that the big, the big strategy in this buy round, you know, everyone's got a lot of options to buy, but in the selling part, that's where it becomes uh, really difficult, which I think a lot of coaches don't realise until they go to do it. So when you're looking at the options, um, you know, what type of players are you selling? Now, obviously, there are the guys that are injured. Guys like Payne Haas are being sold a lot. Uh, Campbell Graham has been ruled out now for six weeks. Um, those guys are really easy sells for me. Yeah, agreed. I know what you mean. Um, it's, it's generally best to try out the ones that sort of don't have that sort of high volatility and aren't really sort of adding, adding much value apart from... Uh, if you can get the uh, same sort of points for someone that's going to, sorry, same sort of points for someone that's a little bit sort of cheaper that's going to give you that buy cover as well. So, yeah, I know what you mean. Probably a few more examples in there for you to throw out. I think everyone would agree that Campbell Graham, you don't need to ha- to be getting back in later. So it's an easy one to sit on now that he's been ruled out. Payne Haas is an interesting one, though. Like, yeah. he's not been as good as what we thought he has. He's basically been a 50s type of guy. He's still carrying injuries. Broncos have said he'll be out for two to three. So, like Haas, for example, three round average of 47, five round average of 52. Um, he's now only a 63 average for the year, which is his worst season. I think at this point, um, you know, you can say, look, we'll sell him at around 500K and just not get him back. So, I think that's that's a pretty easy one. And it's a good question to ask with these guns. Like, are you going to miss them later? Are you going to want them back? Yeah, exactly. Um, particularly with Haas, because he's, apart from, I think, 
well, I'm purely going from memory here, but apart from the first game where I think he scored for 87 or 90 or something like that for the first game and had bigger minutes, he's basically been punching 55s and 65s all season and his minutes are slightly sort of down um, too with that sort of shoulder injury. So given that he basically hasn't punched a ton all year, there's almost no reason to sort of carry him. And the other the other reason there is um, at this point in the season, the makeup of every of every other team is you've got a lot of depth, um, and lots of people have four people in the front row forward. So you, uh, I think there's a fair few that still have sort of King up there, Haas, Papa Lee, and there's a fair few that might even have like a Tapani up there as well. So you've got four front row forwards. You basically got two bench spots there that are taking up two of your reserves, and lots of people are going to have like two gun fullbacks and two sort of gun halves. So, at what point are you going to have to sort of drop someone? So, there's no point having you know, too many, too many five six hundred k guys. You're not going to be able to use as the other point. Yeah, 100%. Um, some of the other guys are, are just maxed out players that are really easy, like a Jacob Caraz, uh, a Cooler. And look, those guys don't have huge break-evens, but I think it's the time to sell them now because uh, it's better to sell them now than to maybe make an extra 20 grand and have to sell them later. Uh, so they're really yeah. easy ones as well. Um, and then there's some controversial ones that are being sold at the moment that I'd like to get into and unpack a little bit more. So Angus Crichton's the second most sold-out player at the moment. And, you know, he obviously had a, a poor game last week. You know, he scored 30 points. He had a sin bin. It wasn't a good one for him. Um, and then another one as well, which I was, you know, a little surprised about, Tedesco and Munster. It, it, it's all, it's a good saying in sport that you hear all the time. A, a week's a long time in sport, and it really is. Like, I would have... I, I was on board with selling those guys, you know, a week ago. Um, but I'm less on board this week. And that might sound silly to some people, Billy, so I'm happy to get your opinion on it. But... You know, a James Tedesco, I did sell last week um, and I sold him because Manu got moved to 5'8". So I, I changed my mind on selling Manu just because of the positional change late. I thought he'd score more. Um, so I kept him and I sold Teddy. Teddy dropped 60,000. And it's also now, you know, with guys like Teddy and Munster, you had two to three, um, you had like a hard game for Teddy, for instance. Then you had him missing this round and, and then you had him maybe not backing up the next round. So it was sort of a three-week trade before you're going to want him back. If you're trading someone like that now, it's only a two-week window before you might want them back. So you're just losing a lot of value and you've dropped 60K there. So to me, um, you, you sort of you needed to make those decisions last week. If you haven't, would you consider a Teddy out, a Munster out, like it's being sold top 10 at the moment? Uh, only if it means getting um, Papenhusen in because the, the amount of points that he'll sort of get this week and propel you up the ladder as, with, with the VCNC option for the next couple of weeks, I, I think it'd be silly not to get him. So, um, but yeah, I think we talked about this strategy last week. So the three-week turnaround and get to tell you that this, the sell was last week. So if um, you haven't done it already, I'd find a way to sort of hold on, hold on to him. Um, I don't like his draw on and off, but... Um, yeah, turning back every year, he pipes up some big ones as well. So, holy if you got him. Yeah, I think that it's um like I was chatting to someone about this on Twitter just before we started recording, and and I made the point. Look, they made the point that they're not going to buy him back, you know, and that's probably a good thing to talk about with selling too. Look, if you're happy to sell a Tedesco, like I want to buy him back. There's, if I sell him, I'm buying him back. You know, I don't want to be on the run home without him. But you know, if you disagree and, and you're sold on Tedesco not being a someone that you have to have back or not wanting for the end of year run for the last month or whatever, then yeah, sure. That, that makes more sense, I guess, to sell them now. But I really want to talk about guys like Angus Crichton. He's, you know, got a 94B, which isn't that bad. 
He's only averaging 57 for the year. So I think that's why people have been, you know, turned off him. But even though he got 31 last week, I think it needs to be put in context. That happened against Penrith. And when you're looking at, you know, the month before, he went 60, 55, 83, 84, uh, and 73. Actually, if you look at the five-round average, that brings him up to a 79 five-round average. So he was going great until last week. So it's a little bit of that recency bias where I think the people are just... Um, trying to find somebody to trade out and they're reaching for guys like Angus. I would classify Angus as someone that you're going to miss later. Like round 18 and 19, and this is a good way to look at it too, Billy, with yourselves. Have a look at what round 18 and 19 is bringing, especially round 18, because round 18, if, if you're short on players, you know, you can bet your life that other teams are going to be short on players too. So it's a good round to sort of have a mini buy catch up. It's almost a buy hangover catch up because. There's teams that are going to come out of 17, they're going to make the wrong buys and the wrong sells and all of a sudden find themselves with you know, 17 guys to play or, and two or three of those are going to be absolute bums. And you can get a leg up on those guys. And having the guys that are also going to have a really good round 18 game in your side rather than selling them early, like an Angus who you'd expect will back up, hopefully. Um, he's got a great matchup against St. George. You know, it's, um, it, it, it's going to be a big thing for round 18 too when you're looking ahead. And I do think that guys like Angus you're going to miss later on. So you should probably be asking yourself that question, can you sell someone else other than like an Angus Crichton? Yeah, there's going to be some high floor guys like that that you sort of want to keep around. Um, the, I think there's plenty that still have sort of Talakai in the second row as well as sort of Targo. And those sort of bikes can punch sort of 35 to 55 with ease as well, whereas um, Angus just seems to have that sort of um, higher floor, higher sort of tackle sort of work rate. So if you got him, I'd be trying to sort of keep him there for some, for some, some sort of stability, um, particularly going into that sort of the, the post-buy round. Um, it's just as important to field 17 and round sort of 18 as it is to field, field you know, sort of 9 or 10 sort of this week. So um, I'd, I'd hold for coverage. And this is a, and that opens up a really um, interesting group of players too. There's some, some guys like Targo and May, um, and even kick out to a degree where people may not have been seeing them as their long-term plans. And, and I kind of get that. Like I, I've sold Targo before. I actually looked at May just because I needed to find someone to sell. And the thing that held me off from doing it was round 18, the Panthers have the Tigers. Uh, and that that meant that I, there's, there's no way I can sell those guys because May could easily go for a Hattie and 100 points in round 18 and negate any move that I made for round 17 for that buy round. So Round 18 really should come into the thinking. I I would probably lean as a, you know, if you had to sell one of these guys, like I'd rather probably sell a Targo um, and keep a May sort of thing if I had to choose. Uh, those are probably some of the decisions that people have to make. But one of the other things with selling Billy, moving off guys like Angus, the other type of sell, selling dead wood. I'm not, I'm not seeing this as much as I thought I would. The buy rounds are a really good opportunity for you to get rid of dead wood that you're not going to be able to trade other rounds potentially as easy. I'm talking about guys like Ben Travojevic. So he's a guy that's sort of in that awkward price range where he's made enough money where he's sort of around that 300K mark that you can't trade him out by yourself and, and get to anywhere without a second trade giving you enough bank to get a good player. This is a buy around where you can go, you know what? I think uh, instead of trying to push out an Angus and buying a, a guy that's 500K, um, going an Angus to a Mitch Barnett or something like that, you might actually be better off just holding Angus as your third trade and, and just going cashing out of a Burbo or one of these dead wood guys that you know are going to be an AE nightmare down the track as well 
and just getting in someone that you might be a one and done guy. Um, and we're going to talk about some of these guys, but a, a Jed Cartwright for South is an example. He's starting in the second row. He'll probably get 80 minutes or decent minutes at least. And he's a 200K guy. Um, he's an easy downgrade, but he's also dual and probably not going to play again this year unless they get mass injuries. So you'd almost look at those points and go, well, you know, if he gives me 40 points and my Angus trade to a, to a Barnett this week gave me 55, is it really worth that extra 15 points in the buy round for me to lose Angus, you know, out of my depth? I'm going to say it's not. So I think that's when people need to really look at their dead wood if they're not getting rid of any of it. And it also cleans up your team as well for the future weeks and run home. Yeah, as long as you're not doing dead with dead wood, I really don't like the idea of doing like a Burbo out for Anderson-style trade. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, look, I think with an Anderson, like he's going to play again. Um, whereas I think if you can really get sold on someone not playing again, like the Broncos have got a really bad injury toll um, where they're debuting a couple of guys. And I think Hoskins is one of the guys that's debuting. He's not even in Supercoach yet. He's going to be bottom dollar. Pretty sure that he's not going to play again. So, I mean, I am... If you were going to get enough anyway, Billy, like at some point, if you're going to get enough, and there's teams that have no enoughs yet, um, now's a good time to look at it. But, of course, if you go for enough, it's going to be one less play you have for the 17 as far as your point scoring. So you may as well, if you can find one and you're sold on it, get enough instead that's going to actually play this week and then disappear. You know, that's a pretty common strategy in Supercoach. I tend to always go for that one. And if I go for a cheaper third trade, uh, it's going to be doing that. Like I'm going to be targeting maybe a Cartwright or maybe Hoskins from the Bulldog, uh, from the Broncos, sorry. And, and that type of guy that might play now, and then I'll get a bit more mail on him. And if it looks like he's not going to really play again, then that works out pretty well because I can just get the one game out of him and, and they debut and then they go away. And, that's probably to me like it might it might differ from what you said a little bit, but to me that's that's worth the extra 30, 40 points because you were going to nuff down the track anyway. Um, so you may as well just do it now and get some points out of it and have that dual nuff around like a Jed Cartwright, for instance. Yeah, whatever you do this round, don't don't throw away points looking for you know high and low sort of break evens. Um, classic example last week, I, I went uh, Brian Tua last week over Pappy because I kind of figured look. One's going to break even a six, so one's going to break even of infinity in six. But it just goes to show that, you know, just even, even if, even if Pappy only scored, you know, sort of 115 as opposed to 135, you know, 115 points in the bank for a 20k loss and a turnaround this, and a, and a cash turnaround this week. Um, yeah, don't be too concerned about sort of break evens in the cash this week. Just get the players that you want the points and win your comps. Yeah, agreed. 100%. Um, another category of player that's a bit of a controversial one, uh, the cells that are actually playing the buy round. You know, that's happening at the moment. I think as a general rule of thumb, you never want to sell all players that are actually going to give you a number the buy round. Uh, Ezra Mam is currently the sixth most sold player. And I, I think that the reasoning is pretty straightforward. There's not enough spots in the halves and fullback for the amount of good options that there are for this round. So obviously Pappenhausen's one and we're going to talk about, but there's a lot of other guys like uh, like, like Latrell Mitchell, for instance, who's also a fullback. Fitting those guys both in is difficult. Um, if you've got a, a Cody Walker already and you wanted to get a Dylan Brown, for instance, you know, that's difficult. So I understand what people's thinking is because they're looking at it probably going, well, you know, Latrell got 99 last week. He might get 100, 100 plus sort of this week with a good matchup. Ezra Mam might be a 50. It's, it's an upgrade. But I tend to think that you just need to 
hold off on those trades a little bit. Um, I I'm personally am not a fan of trading out anyone that's actually going to be playing this week. And Ezra Mem's actually scored quite well this year. So I was a little bit surprised to sort of see that one. Um, there's a couple of other ones floating around too. I've even seen people trading out of Cody Walker um, because the argument's been, you know, I'll, I want um, X player, whether it's Latrell Mitchell via Jules or whether it's um, uh, Moses coming in, for example, and they're going to hold Moses for the year. It sets up my team. Uh, I may as well do it now. I just sort of think that, look, if you've got enough trades, and I think even if people are low, they do have enough to do this, do another trade somewhere else and get that play that you want another week because that one extra number this week, you're still going to get the guy that you want, you know, next week. I just, I'm not one for trading out the Ezra Mams and stuff that are already playing and, and going to be a decent number for this buy round. Yeah, Mams actually a gun. Um, I wouldn't be trading him out. You've got to remember, they played on absolute slop last week, absolute slop. So you can't really expect your halves to do much in, you know, a, a game where grounds have basically been just destroyed by rain and so the players have to have a field day. Um, so I, 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 I wouldn't be too concerned around points from last week. There's going to be lots of sort of bounce back games for half, for half this week. Um, I can see the reason why people want to sell Cody Walker. I want to shoot him myself. His super crush perspective is absolutely killing me. But, <laughs> you know, the, you know Murphy's Law, mate. Uh, as soon as you sell them, they're going to come back to bite you. And particularly this week, you would have to have some desperate situations sell Cody Walker this week, like, you know, funding Pappy, I suppose. That would be the only reason they're selling. But um, I can't wait to get rid of him after this week, though. He's on the chopping block big time. I mean, he's another one, though, that you look at the, the 18 follow-up and he plays the Bulldogs. Now, granted, the Bulldogs have played better of late, but, you know, they're actually going to have Matt Burton backing up. Um, so that makes it a bit harder for them. But... You know, that's always going to be a really good play for a Cody Walker. You know, as as much as he's been average, you know, he still hasn't scored terribly on averages, and he hasn't scored well either. No, but I mean, he's got he's got the upside to still have big scores in him. You know, he he can still do it. You know, he had that game against the Tigers in twelve where he threw up one hundred and three. That was only four games ago. He's got the ability to throw that up there, and I just think when you've got Newcastle in a buy round, it's going to be missing Ponga. Uh, and then you've also got the Bulldogs the following week. Yeah, they're, they're weeks that you probably want to be playing him for, especially the Newcastle one in the buy round, because law of averages is he's going to have other tons this year. There's a decent enough chance it's going to be one out of the next two, and you're going to you know really regret selling. I'm the same. I want to sell him too. But again, when we're talking about our planning ahead, round 19 he's got Melbourne, and round 20 he's got the Sharks. You know, round 19 I'm selling him 100. Um, percent But I think that what you need to do is be looking at not ruining your round 18 matches and also your run home. And that's going to be really important. Some teams can probably do it better than others in sacrificing them. We spoke last week, if you've got extra trades, you can trade out whoever you want. It doesn't matter because you'll get them back because if you've got 20 trades at this point, I saw a team with 21 trades the other day. Couldn't believe it. If you got, if you're that team with 21 trades, trade whoever you want not playing this round because you may as well burn one and just get them back next week if you want to. It doesn't matter. But if you don't, you really need to be careful about your round 18 and run home. And, and like Billy, I've got uh, 15 for this week if I make my three trades. I've even considered, because I've been stuck on who to trade, I've even considered just running 14 because 14 is not a bad number. And I just, I just save that extra trade and I don't end up selling someone that I know I'm going to regret later on. So to me, I wouldn't push to get your three guns in if it meant that you are going to have to sacrifice someone that you wanted to keep. There is a couple of names that are raised in this chat that I think that we should probably run 
run our opinion over before we move on to the actual buys, which is the largest part of the podcast. Um, you mentioned Joe Manu. He's another guy that's been a reasonably popular sell. He's not in the top 10, but a fair few people are still selling him. Uh, and I mentioned I was pretty sold, 90%. I was going to sell him last week, and I went back on that. So I'll explain why uh, Manu changed to 5'8". And the reason that I decided to change my mind then was because him at any other position is always points. 5'8 uh, meant that he was going to get the ball a lot more and get a lot more touches. And as we've seen, when he gets the touches, he gets tackle breaks and offloads, but nothing else. It's just so easy for him. And, and, you know, sometimes it's not as effective in real life NRL as what it is in Supercoach, but when we're talking Supercoach, he, he just racks up the tackle breaks. And I did that as well because, you know, there was talk that Kiri isn't going to be back for a couple of weeks now, potentially even more. And that means that, you know, Teddy may even back up and it's still going to mean that Joey Manu in round 18 when he returns is still going to be playing 5-8 against the Dragons, you know. So uh, it just it, it's just too good a um, hold when he's playing other positions. So that's why I decided not to sell him. It's also why I've sort of said to caution uh, to people who are looking at selling him, Billy, and I've had a few questions on Joey Manu because I did mention the other week that I was going to particularly look at selling him. I've said to them, like, rethink it because, you know, we've now seen him go 97 last week against Penrith in a losing side playing six. Um, we've seen him go 130 a month ago against Canberra playing one. And he's got at least one or two weeks coming against the Dragons and Newcastle where he's going to be playing out of position again. So I would be reconsidering because that's maybe, you know, a 90-plus average over the next two games that he's got there. And that's the sort of stuff that I, I think sells Joey Manu as a non-sell. Uh, another popular one going out is Talakai. Um, now, oh, I, I can understand people selling Talakai, so I don't want to come off as, you know, it's a massive mistake. If And really with a lot of these guys, like if you can't get a Pappenhausen or like that blue chip guy that you need for this round, um, then you know, if there's no other ones to sell in your team with your makeup, then it might make sense for some teams more than others. In a vacuum, um, I don't like selling Talakai and I'm not going to for this reason. Obviously, I've got other guys that I can choose and I'm going to do that. Probably put um, Manu in the same sort of court as the uh, Talakai decision. Sort of pl- plenty held because he had a massively sort of soft run, just didn't didn't produce. I think um, Manu is going to sort of still produce. This guy is actually performing out of his skin. puts puts the decision in the same sort of um, ball court. We've spoken ad nauseum about the Sharks' run, right? But even if you're a head-to-head player, you know, round 21 onwards for that run, Dragons, Tigers, Manly, Bulldogs, Knights, you know, that's that, that's really good. Uh, I think a lot of people are put off by the next few weeks and obviously doesn't play Melbourne in round 17 now. But the two weeks after, it's the Cowboys and Penrith, you know, two of the best sides in the comp. But the Cowboys are actually a Friday night game. Now, if he backs up, which, you know, is the question because it's going to be my point with the Cowboys, but if he backs up and he's a small minute bench player, so you would expect those guys to back up, he's going to be playing a Cowboys side that's going to be, you'd imagine, resting at least a few players, but they've got half a dozen guys in origin playing 48 hours later. So that Cowboys game all of a sudden isn't as hard as what you think it is. Ruben Cotter's not meant to be back for that either. And then that Penrith game in round 19, that's going to be a hard one. But it's really just that one. And then they've got South who... If you have a look at it, you know, South's actually been conceding a reasonable amount of points to centre wings this year. Uh, so it's actually a good matchup for him by the numbers. And the whole run home is great for him. So I just think with Talakai, it's it, it's actually a, one that you're going to want to be playing later in the year. And it's going to become a point of difference with all the sales at the moment of him. So not a definite sell, but I think if you're just reaching for him as a, as a definite sell, 
then I would consider your other options is all I'm saying. Um, look, those are a lot of the the big sells that we're kind of touched on. We obviously can't talk about them all and a bit of the selling thought process that me and Billy have when we're looking at it. But, you know, good rule of thumb, if you're going to sell them down the track anyway in the next couple of weeks um, and they don't have a great, you know, couple of games coming up in the next two that isn't going to hurt you, then they're an, they're an easy sell. If they're guys that you're not going to play again, then it's an easy sell. If they're guys that are out, you know, injured, like a Campbell Graham that you don't need to buy back, it's an easy sell. But there is no easy buys, Billy. There is far too many options. Let's talk about hooker. Straight to hooker. Reed Marnie looks like the best one to me. Uh, and on average as he is. But unfortunately, that's only a 57 average. You know, 517,000. Um, he's a guy that's coming off a 68-point average last year. He's still been playing the 80 minutes. He just has not been anywhere near as good. And your Eels got absolutely trounced last week. But one of the things with this Eels side this week is that they're playing the Tigers. And then round 18, they're playing the Warriors. So this next two weeks is the best out of any team. And it's the Eels that have got it. So... Uh, I think with Reed Marty, if you've got a lot of trades, uh, you could consider him for this week. If you don't have very many, I think that you've probably got to just bypass hooker altogether. But if you're looking for a hooker, um, to me, Reed Marty, even though he's only averaged 57 for the year, I think he's the pick of the bunch. Uh, and Tigers, Warriors, Broncos, the next three before he hits Penrith, you know, that could be a three-round wonder of, you know, a 75-point average, and then you get rid of him before he plummets back down again. So uh, definitely a point of difference too. He's a pod uh, and, you know, for good reason. But if you're looking at hookers, I don't think there's anyone better than him for this round. But then we've got the cheap option of Brandon Smith. Yeah, so he's really controversial. Um, there's been a lot of debate online about him because, look, this year he's averaged 40 points a game and he's only played 48 minutes a game. Um, he's... His PPM is at a, a career low, and I think that's the biggest thing with him. Like, people talk about the minutes, and sure, his, his minutes are down. Last week, he ended up playing 61 minutes um, after playing 33 and 37 minutes the two weeks before, and he got 66 points. My problem, you know, and I have to admit, like, I bought him six weeks ago, and I bought him because, you know, 370-odd thousand, I just sort of thought, oh, I'll pair him with Grant, if Grant gets rested, he can be my backup and not just play him for a week. But I've been really disappointed with what he's done the last couple of months. Like he just hasn't, he just hasn't kicked on when he's gotten the opportunity. Like I thought when he was going to get the minutes, he would do better uh, than what he has. So 350,000, like you can't go too wrong with it. Um, I just don't think that one, he's going to make a heap of cash and be a sellout and you're going to have to just hold him there. And two, if you're going to pair him with Grant, to play him this week and sort of have backup if Grant is rested. It does make sense as a handcuff, but the issue with that is I had that thought process myself, but when he goes in and he does play the minutes, he's just not producing still. So I just don't know at this point whether he's going to and whether it's actually going to be worth it as someone who's actually purchased him. Yeah, but is that is that actually going to be a problem? Because you're, you're only going to be playing if Grant is completely out of the picture. Like if Grant's on the bench, I still won't play cheese. I'll only, I'll be, I'd be playing Grant knowing he's going to come on for sort of, you know, 50, 55 minutes and carve up. I would only be playing Cheese this week and having him a bat as a backup and only playing him if Grant is completely out. So you know, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have played him those those minutes for those games where, where he was only getting sort of about 40, 45 minutes. Yeah. You, you see yourself, last week he played, what, 60 minutes and scored 66 or something. That's the game you want him for. Yeah, I mean, for 350K, I just sort of think as well, 
Um, and, you know, this is different to what the position I was in six weeks ago when I needed to get a hooker because I had to cash out of Randall sort of thing. But um, I just think, too, that you just wouldn't buy a hooker if you were looking at Brandon Smith. Like, you'd look at some of the other spots because mm. for 400-odd thousand, you know, not much up from Brandon Smith's price, you can get some real options in other spots. Or you could just get a, yeah. a one of those nuffy ones, like I said, and just not have to spend the money. Yeah, it's a shame how things work out. My um, Cotter was supposed to be my backup. Like the, this very week was supposed to be, you know, Nicar- piss Nicarima off, put, put Cotter up to a hooker and, and all of a sudden bring in a gun second row. That way you got uh, two two gun hookers. Now all of a sudden, you know, you get an injury, have to hold one person, someone's out of form, not many players left. It just throws massive spanners in the works for this time of season and keeps us in the, uh, the talk show. <laughs> well look I think to finish up on hookers I was really happy I bought Robson that's one of the best moves I made all year you know around 11 or whatever it was but I think we've gone through the hookers because you know we need to and some people are going to want to look at the options and they are the ones that are the best ones to talk about but I wouldn't be buying a hooker every other position has far better players than what hooker does so I just wouldn't be doing it Um, front row forward Second worst, but still better than Hooker for me. Papa Lee, um, he's still not, you know, owned by everyone, but he's owned by oh, closing in on half of the active super coaches, I reckon. There's still people that are going to be looking at buying him, though. Now, I have to say, I didn't own him until a few weeks ago, and I paid 750000 for him, and I'm bitterly disappointed at this point because I've lost hundred grand, and he's now got a three-round average of 57 and a five-round average of 63. He's going downhill the last few weeks. And the question's actually been asked by non-owners. He did 650K with more than 100 break-even. Is this a, Do I just let him go at the moment because he's still expensive and look at other options? Um, you know, I understand the conundrum. And Matty Person, who jumps on this podcast, has that exact question, and I've seen him ask it. Um, and I've chatted to him about it as well. I would buy Papali if I didn't own him. Um, and the reason being is because you know, 650K... It's at least cheaper than he's been at any other point this year. Um, yes, he might drop a bit of cash, but he's playing the West Tigers. And I, I mentioned it's a premium matchup. The West Tigers concede a lot of points on their edges and he's signed to play there next year. So I reckon that he absolutely steps it up this week uh, and goes ballistic against the West Tigers. I, I actually think that he's a captaincy option if you're going to go for a VC beforehand and you want a safe seat. I think he's a captaincy option this week against the Tigers. And then he follows up against the Warriors who leak massive points on their edges again. So this is a week for me to buy him. I understand people's hesitancy, though. He's got 38 points against Souths last week, Billy. But Papa Lee, straight in, put him in your front row forward. Best option by a mile, and you can run home with him now. Yeah, there's a... um, No, this is completely unsubstantiated. This is just a comment from someone that um, usually sort of talk to. But um, I saw saw a comment a couple of hours ago saying inside word that Maddo's out this week. Um, take it with a grain of salt. So, um, given that it's going to be the um, are they the last game of the, which game of the round is it? The Eels one is it last or early? No, it's not the last one. Um, the Eels play third game of the round. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to monitor that one just in case, not because I disagree with the news, but I just don't trust anyone. Um, but if that happens, um, I don't like the idea of um, Papa Lee going back to lock. Then again, what's his name? Brown's 18th, uh, 18th man. He may end up coming. If that happens, surely he comes into lock, you, you, you would think. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but um, it makes it harder for me to buy a Maddo. But I'm certainly uh, excited about Papa Lee on the edge this week, particularly if he's playing right edge. 
um, Lane, because Lane's been covering that left left one, which is brilliant, because um, um, the right side is where Papalini goes ballistic. He averaged sort of 90, or, 90 or 95, I think it was, on that right edge last year when he played four games. So if he can stay there for a full game, um, 100% be a VC option or even a C, but um, depends when Storm are playing, of course. Yeah, the Storm of the first game, so he'll be a safe C, I reckon. But um, look, I, I think that I would rate Papali the number one four option for this round if you don't own him. Um, and he's also number one too because he's going to be your run home front row forward that you have to have. So definitely buy him. If you got him though and you're looking at front row forwards, David Clemmer. He's averaging 64 points a game this year, eight points up from last year. And he's been, like we've said, on a massive resurgence. 555000 it might look like a reasonable price point, but I'm going to give people a reason to pause and, and not look at Big Clem. Um, the last three rounds, he's only had a 56 average. It's been very much back to um, what we expect from Clemmer, where he's gone 65, 49, 55. And Daniel Saifidi has just returned from injury this week. So that's going to put a bit of a dampener on Clemmer. If <clears throat> Daniel Saifidi can stay healthy, then Clemmer's maybe not going to be playing as many minutes as, as what he has been. Uh, he Even like against the Warriors, he played 76 minutes in round 12, um, 65 and 64 minutes round eight and nine. Uh, and you know, last week he was down to 58 and he only got 55 points for that. So I, I actually wouldn't spend on Clem, but, if you really wanted a, a third string front row forward that could play the buy round that you could have as, as a bench front row cover, um, I understand it. And, and Clem's probably your best option outside of Papa Lee. Yeah, for this week, there's um, not many options around, are there? Um, look, outside Tuffany not playing this week, and obviously Papa Lee, he's probably one of the closest options you can probably have. I really, I really like, like you said, though. He had a massive surgence, the biggest of the presence. He was showing some offloads, but all of a sudden, the average has come back. Um, you've got Zofri <clears throat> come back from injury, like you said. I'd be much more inclined to spend half the price on someone that's going to play just, just a week. It'd be a difference in 20 points at the most, mate. So that would be my preferred route. I really don't, I really don't like him. Yeah, with front row forward in particular, I'd rather buy someone that's a one-game wonder. Um, I really would, just because of that position. It's not going to be high upside. You've got very low risk of, of someone like Clem going over for a try and having a big score. Um, but, look, there is a, a complete pod option that we need to talk about. And, look, if I, I'm just going to talk about the numbers because, you know, I, I see the name and I go, look, I just can't do it to myself. I'm not doing it. But numbers-wise, okay, 598,000. He's a dual front row forward, second row forward. Three-round average of 75. Five-round average is 74. But in that time, uh, he has averaged over 59 points in raw base in his last five. He's gone 56, 57, 58, 51, and 74. And one of the uh, big middle forwards for this team, being the West Tigers in 12, has been ruled out possibly for the season. So Joe Offangawi, I have been burnt by him before. He's been really average in the past. Um, 49 minutes a game last year, he was averaging 45 points. But this year, he's more towards one PPM. But really, the last five rounds, that's 74 average. He's looked great for six weeks with them having the round 13 by five games. And a lot of people are jumping on him, but he's still only 5% owned at the moment. He will be closer to 10% owned, but still be a pod for this round. Um, He might be the dark horse, Billy. I, I can't do it just because... I've seen Joe O go back downhill before very quickly after good runs. 
but I've not seen a five-week run from him, you know, like this. Normally, it's sort of you get two or three, he reels you in, maybe a month, yeah. but you never get this sort of five-week run where he just kills it for that long. And even if I go back six weeks, he had a 40-point score in 46 minutes, which is terrible. But the three games before, you know, he had 94, 62, and 60. And 94 is the only try that he scored this year. So he's actually been playing really well from, you know, basically around seven onwards. It's it's pretty hard not to look at it when you look at the actual numbers. You just have to get your head around the fact that it's big Joe O. Yeah. Is it, uh, if you take that line break try out, out of the equation, it's basically the 60, 60, 60s that you're getting. So even though, even though it's a high base, he doesn't really have any sort of attack. So you're only going to be getting those sort of low 60s. Um, question I have for you because I haven't really looked. Um, has his minutes actually inflated much during that time, or is he just sort of stepping up a little bit more with work rate? No, it's just his work rate. Like even if you have a look at the start of the year, um, round three he had seventy minutes for fifty-four points. Round four he had sixty-five minutes for forty-five points, and then sixty-three and sixty minutes the next two weeks for fifty-five points each. He's been playing similar type of minutes. Um, Albeit, you know, a bit more consistently the last sort of five weeks, he's averaged 67 minutes a game. But that doesn't look like anything too different from what he was doing. It's just his PPM's gone up. His work rate, his raw base has been better uh, and his his base attack has been better. Uh, if there was an increase in minutes, I'd be a, bit, a little bit more excited. But given that he hasn't, I'm a bit more sort of sceptical. But if I had to choose between him and him and Clemmer, I'd be going sort of Joe O. I'd have to go Joe O. He's got three out of his last five that have gone 80 plus, and that's just with no tries. You know, it's, yeah, you'd have to have to do yeah. it. And um, he's actually less owned than Clem right at this point, although they're pretty close. So, yeah, yeah. And plus, yeah. plus, look, you got to, if, if you take a lot of the history out of it and a lot of the knowledge that you and I and lots of podcasters and people haven't got, you know, Joe O, and just, just go with a, um, Hey, I'm looking for a front row forward or someone that can give me, give me some decent points. Oh, this guy's priced pretty well. He plays in the middle of the park in a team that where he's one of the sort of one of the sort of alphas and he's averaging, uh, you know, what 70, 80 in the last couple of rounds. Okay, odds are he's still going to produce that. And then you and I are going to come out the other side around 17, going, "Well, what did we just get him? He's been averaging 80." <laughs> so sometimes you just got to swallow your pride and swallow your knowledge and go, "Look." It's, the guys on a roll just go. Yeah, and the dual flexibility, you know, again, adds a little bit extra. Um, when we're talking about cheapies and value guys, now there's going to be teams that have this third trade, really. And it, look, you, we can say what we want. Oh, look, you'd, you'd avoid front row forward trades. But at the end of the day, the guy that they might have to trade out with their third trade might just be a big trade out for front row forward. Maybe Payne Haas is the best trade out for them. And, and I'm not going to talk anyone out of that. If that's the best trade that you got for your last one, you need to do it. So if that's the case, and maybe you don't have any cash to spend, someone like Daniel Saifidi could be a smoky. 380000 He's only averaged forty two for the year because he had a shocking year to start with and he was unfit for some of it. And then he's obviously missed you know, a month of footy before coming back last week where he scored 49 points in 47 minutes. Um, he came back and was pretty good last week, scoring close to 50. His minutes are normally going to be in the 50s, you would hope, um, so you think he'd go up maybe five more minutes than that, and that's maybe going to be a 53, 54-point type of score if he can keep it up for the year. At 380000 maybe he's your he could be your play this week and then you just sit him on your pine and, and he's just emergency backup for you. Maybe he could get back to his form that he had the last couple of years where he's gone 59 and 63 points. 
I raise him as a value pick though, Billy, because when you look at his numbers, they're not good, but they're better than another highly purchased guy this week. Nelson Asafa Solomona, for whatever reason, is being bought by a, a lot of people this week. And he's one of those ones where I don't really understand it. He's the eighth most traded in player right now. He's someone who's almost identical price to, to Daniel Saifidi. He's 385000 But his, his work before this season has all been worse when you're comparing him to Saifidi. Like he's been a 53 to 54 type of guy for three years in a row before this year where he's averaging 48. Saifidi's shown a much better ceiling going 59 and 63 the two years prior. Um, and that's like, you know, you're talking eight, nine points better than what Nelson has done. And you know that Nelson's role really isn't going to deviate too much. You know, he's only going 60 plus 31% of the time, and he's not really offering very much at all. He's playing a Sharks team away that could be a really hard game for them. And it's not like that they're missing, you know, a gluttony of forwards to origin either. So I don't get the NAS buy. And I sort of think, look, if you want to take a punt and you've only got under 400 to spend... I'd almost rather go Saifidi because at least he's shown the last couple of years before this year that he can actually score 60-plus. Yeah. See, the thing you've got to think of, the thing you've got to remember with uh, Mass is, although when he's got the ball, uh, he looks dangerous, he looks brilliant, he, he, he looks for the offload, um, and he just barges over the top of the guys. You only get, what, two points for a hit-up. And, and unless he gets the tackle bust or gets that offload away, it's only two points. And he's not running it or make, making hit-ups any, or tackles anywhere near, near the amount of time, near, near the amount of times that, that others are. So you, it's probably much more worth your while to go someone that's, you know, ugly on the field that just ha, ha, has a decent work rate for 50, 55 minutes. It's like Binnacane as a, that, you know, is just, even, even an old school, so Aiden Tolman getting sort of 50, 55 minutes, I much prefer someone like, someone like that that you know is just going to, do the stuff and stuff in the middle. Yeah, and there is some of these dirty options around, you know. But again, like I, I wouldn't buy any of these guys. But if you're going nasty because you've got no other option, I, I'd rather go Saifidi if I'm bigger between them. Second row forward, okay, controversial. Maddo, we don't know what's happening with him. He was out last week, hurt his ribs. Let's assume that he plays this week. I can't see anyone remotely close to him as a second row forward buy. He is averaging seventy one for the year. Um, and I think that one of the big things with Madison that I actually didn't even realise until I looked into him a bit more myself, I thought that he was pretty highly owned. Like, I thought a lot of people were jumping on him. He's only in 11% of teams. Like, he's almost in pod territory. So if he plays this week, and he's also not being traded in by anyone, by the way, um, or actually he's just snuck into the top 10 now. So 2% of coaches have started trading him in. He might only be 14, 13% owned for the week. Uh, provided that he's obviously named and playing. I said Papa Lee is the, the forward buyer of the week. Maddo would be the second best one. You know, he is expensive at the moment. He does have a big BE, but we did also speak about the fact that he's playing the Tigers. Uh, he's got a great, great opportunity to get some attacking against the Tigers. So 677,000, Billy, he's another guy, much like Isaiah Papa Lee's teammate, that you can set in there, have a great number uh, for a premium option for the buy against the Tigers, best matchup around 17. And have him for the run home. So, for me, it's matter all the way when we're talking about secondary forward, provided he is healthy. Yeah, I agree with that. The thing that really disappoints me is that, as a as an fan, like he just seems to be having a massive impact off the bench. I'm not sure what sort of impact he's going to have as a starter now. That might sound really, really silly, but he just seems to come on and have that sort of aggressive streak where he's just getting uh, tackle busted. If you look at 
his numbers, his offload has been going insane. Like he had like 20 points in, in offloads in his last game. So does he have that sort of um, same sort of attitude as a starter or is that more, more of an impact? So I'm a little bit sort of hesitant with him, particularly because of the injury, but of all the second rowers available, if he's got that sort of you know, last eight, nine game streak form, then you'd want to get him in there. But if you go and look at all these numbers for the entire season, there's basically only game one or two that he wasn't really sort of performing. So he's pretty safe as long as he's helping on the field, starting or not. Yeah, if you excuse his first two games, his last 10, he's only got two games that are below 60. Uh, and of that, you know, his lowest score is 52. It's it's pretty remarkable um, how well he has scored. And he's only got three tries in that run of 12 games this year that he's played in. So he's a premium option this week. But let's let's talk about some smoky options, some real pods this round, because secondary forward has... Some really good pot options. And one guy that's, especially in a lot of super coach groups, that's getting a lot of talk is Sean Lane. And I know that, you know, the playbook guys beat me to this one because they've already had their podcast and they talked about him really well. So you can listen to that one if you want. Timmy Williams did some really good quotes for it. But Sean Lane is um, averaging 64 points for this year. And he's done it very quietly because a lot of people obviously don't want to look at someone like Lane, but that's a career best for him. Five round average of 80, three round average of 76. Cheaper than Papalii, cheaper than Maddo at 613,000. He's a secondary forward only, um, but you can't argue with the results that he's gotten. 72 last week against Souths in a terrible game, 98 the week before, 59 the week before, 91 the week before, 82 the week before. Last five weeks, he's been on an absolute tear, and he's been playing 80 minutes since round 11. Uh, and the big thing for me is that Lane's always been one of those guys on the edge. His work rate has been, I'm not going to say low because he's been an edge, but it's been average. But the last five weeks, he's gone 56, 49, 55, 46, 54 in just raw base. And we all know he's got his offloads and his clutch attack that he can throw in there. So he has been really good, Billy. Um, I think that, the problem is that, you know, you can look back before the last couple of months and he's got games where he was back down to playing 60 and 62 minutes where he sort of scored 51 and 33. And you've always got that worry, you know, when the Eels have got their full strength side, is that what he's going to go back to? And, and if that happens, you don't want to be spending 613000 on him and having to keep him for the run home because it's just not going to be value for money. Uh, but he is one of those guys, Billy, that, that is, like Madison, he's a pod. Only 3% of teams own him compared to Maddo at 11%. And obviously the whole world owns Isaiah Papali'i. So is it legitimate to look at Sean Lane and go 3%, I'm going to back back him as a pod to outscore someone like Maddo? Uh, I wouldn't back him now to outscore someone like Maddo. Bit of a pipe dream. Um, you can do it, but I, I wouldn't back it if I had to. If I had sort of going two to odds, the only question I'm going to answer is the one you asked around to the full strength team. Look, uh, Brown is available at the moment. He's just not in the team. Papa Lee's in the team. Maddow's at, Maddow's at lock in full strength team, and you've got Lane on the left. So, to answer your question, in a full strength team, he's playing 80 minutes on on the left hand edge now. So, um, that's obviously one reason one reason for the for the increase in average there. Um, he generally doesn't sort of go over the line, but if he's if he's going to sort of sit there and just keep doing tackle after tackle after tackle, make a few hit ups to stop th- stop throwing those balls away, which he he had a, a vicious streak of just stupid errors, it's frustrating to watch. But if he's got that crap out of his game um, and playing eighty with the Tigers and in the Warriors, uh, it's a good pod. He's a really good pod. Do you, do you think that it's feasible to you know own 
Papalia, Madison, and Lane. Is that a bridge too far as far as the amount of eels that you got in your pack? Mm, not really. Obviously, everyone, everyone owns him. Ideally, you would own Papalia for that front row position because he's going to be one of the better performing ones there. Um, I'd prefer to have just one because you know, if you never know what Arthur's going to do with that pack, it just seems like he just hasn't been settled on it, on it all year until sort of recently when sort of Brown was sort of Brown's sort of been out. It's almost like he wants a ball playing lock and he's just um, constantly looking for someone that sort of suits the pack there. I don't think every team is going to is going to suit having like a neo style bloke in the middle. I'm trying to find a way to advise against it, but I can't. Like you've got three three guys that are averaging over sixty. In the front row and second row, there's, there's no reason not to have them. It's just more the injury concern and the rotation there. Yeah, I'm going to sell people on why you can do it. Um, because to me, I think it's a lot easier with forwards. Like if you had like three eels in your centre wing, I think you, you're asking for trouble. Um, but in forwards, like that that work in that pack is reasonably you know evenly distributed. Like if that's the sort of work rate that Lane, Papalia and Madison have, that's not really going to change. And that's sort of what they rely on. They're not a winger that's relying on, you know, clutch attack scoring. So I think that it's relatively safe if you're doing that with forwards. The big thing though, as well, that people should probably consider is that if a role does change, it's going to affect the other two guys positively. So like you might not be able to pick who it is either. Like I, I wouldn't have picked that Lane was going to go to 80 minutes and Madison was going to be on the bench. You know, if there is something that changes between the three of them, yeah, it's going to impact one of them adversely, but it's going to actually punch up the numbers on the other two because you own all three. And that evens out to you being you know, probably at least the same. So it also uh, gives you options. So like if one of them's a last minute out, then it's it's easy to bench one and you you, you sub in someone else late, later in the weekend. So you've always got the guy in your team that's going to play the big minutes. And just going quickly on the other thing that you were saying around is, is three too many forwards to own for one team. Um, no, go and have a look at the Panthers. Like, have you said to me, oh, how many Panthers is um, is too many to own? I've got, you know, sort of um, May, I've got 2-0, um, I've got Kick-Out, I've got uh, Cleary, I've got Appy, and I've got Yeo. Is that too many? No. <laughs> if they're all performing, keep them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I reckon that it's okay for, for those Eels guys. Another... Complete pod option, only a few percent owned, is Keon Kolomatangi. I actually thought that he had higher ownership, but I think people jumped off. Uh, and with good reason, like I mentioned um, a few weeks ago, he hasn't been as good as what I was hoping. But he's still averaged 61 for the year. And there's been a lot to like the last few weeks. He's gone 58, 55, and 69. And his work rate, you know, his raw base, 56, 45, 59 in raw base. That's the best three-game run of raw base that he's had all year. So there's been really good signs the last few weeks. And there was really good signs for South in general last week. They played really well and much better. So I, I quite like him as an option, as, as a bit of a budget option with a bit of upside. Um, he don't, has gone 111 versus the Tigers this year where he scored a try. Backed that up with a 71 um, the next week where he scored. 98-point game against the Dragons. So... He does have some of the big ones in him when he can get across a stripe. Um, he just he's had a bit of a drought, but that drought to me mathematically says, look, he's a try scorer on that edge sometimes, and he hasn't scored for seven games. He's playing the Knights and the Bulldogs the next two. He's probably got a good chance of going over. Big thing for me, Billy, is the reason I'm considering him really hard is he's five hundred thousand. If you had to have him on your bench just to plug and play every now and then, South bad draw. 
that they do have at the end of the season doesn't really matter as much because he's going to be back up, but he's going to give you crucial points the next two weeks. Uh, in round 18 especially, you could end up with Fords out for origin backup, and he's playing the dogs really good on that edge, him attacking it. Uh, I just, I, I really quite like him as far as the 500k and under purchases. Yeah, I like him. Um, been recommending him the last couple of years, but every time I recommend him, he does nothing. And then the following week, he beats up, and um, I never, I never, I never get to say once. So I told you so. Um, he reminds me of um, Alakwatu's younger brother. Like he just <laughs> same, same edge, same shit haircut, same aggression. Um, just manages the just different manages points. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, just manages to throw his weight around and get a few TVs and get over the line every now and then, but. Yeah, big brother, just a little bit more dominant. That's all. Yeah, and look, you just you're kind of hoping that South put it together when they play these uh, lesser teams. They're gonna they're gonna have a better run, and we've got a snapshot of, of him round five um, to round seven, um, where they played the the Dragons, the Bulldogs, and the Tigers, and he went ninety eight fifty and one eleven. You know, so you'd hope that that's what he is. Um, then he's got other times where it's really concerning, where the last time he played the Tigers in round 12, he was 48, and then the game before that, 37, and the game before that, 43 and 40. And those were 80-minute games. You know, so that middle of the season, if he becomes that, it's going to be really disappointing. If he even just does what he's done the last three weeks, it's going to be a really good buy. Yeah, There's just not really any way of telling how that's going to actually pan out, but... He's an option at 500k. Another guy that's an option is someone who I bought last week in Barnett. Uh, a bit risky because obviously his his role can change, as we know. Only scored uh, 46 points. Um, was disappointing against a Titans side that gave up a lot of points to the but He's only 479,000, and he was gonna he would have played 80 minutes had he have not gotten a HIA. So certainly an option, um, Billy. But you know, if you're talking. Uh, Colin Matangi versus a Barnett. You know, Barnett's got a much better full season draw. Um, Colin Matangi's got a better couple of week draw. Uh, and he's also, you know, probably got more, well, he's definitely got more job security. So out of those sort of sub 500 guys, which of those, which of those two are you going to go for? I like Colo. I like Colo um, because it's the, I just prefer right edges because they, they, you generally get a better short, short, Right, right ball as opposed to left where they sort of sweep out back. It's just natural, it's organic. It's about the way they the way they go. Um, better, better team, better, better pedigree, better job history. Um, you never know when um, Barnett's going to all of a sudden rotate into lock as well and get some fifty minutes and just completely screwed as well. At least you know Colin Montagna is always going to be eighty minutes. He's always going to be be on the edge and. Yeah, he's got a couple of soft games, but if you need a plane versus a hard jack, he's an edge plane. So before we move on to the backs talk, uh, I do need to mention the fantastic sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast in Top Sport. Top Sport are a 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. They often have best odds in market and they are great to punt with. So certainly if you're going to gamble, gamble responsibly. But whether you want to look at sport or whether you want to look at racing, they've got you covered for just about everything, including if you love betting on fantasy points, scoring like Supercoach. You can bet on player performance markets on Top Sport today where you can bet on the over and under on a point scoring system, which is really easy to see. And it's all based on the actual NRL stats as well. So jump on there, have a look. If you're going to create an account though, do it with this promo code for this podcast. That is SC all stars or one word. That way top sport will know that you're one of our valued listeners and they'll take fantastic care of you, but topsport.com.au get on there today or download. They're really easy to use up and a punt away. 
onto the backs, Billy. Now, Nico Hines, he should be owned by everyone. It's come out that he's, you know, outside the top 18 squad for New South Wales. So he's already confirmed he's going to be starting. He's actually going to be the, the first game along with uh, Pappenhausen. So two of the big options for the round for VC are going to be head-to-head against each other. Uh, but if you don't know Nico Hines, like, I know he hasn't been as good as what he started as, but I think that if you're ever going to own him for the year, this is a week. Because whilst he's had this, this little lull from round 10 to round 14, the last two weeks he scored, 60, uh, scored 96 points back-to-back against poor opposition in the Titans and the Bulldogs. If that's not going to get you to buy him this week, I'm not sure what is. I do see some people saying he's got the Storm, Cowboys and Penrith. Um, look, the Storm are very under strength, and that's not the Storm matchup that it looks like on paper. Harry Grant and Munster are huge outs for them, and it is at Cronulla that they're playing this one. The Sharks don't have huge outs. You know, Talakai is a loss, but they've got Connor Tracy going in and, and not much else changes. The Cowboys, like I said, they're backing up with a lot of players from Origin, over half a dozen players from Origin two days after Origin is played in round 18. That's not the same sort of game that it normally is. Penrith in round 19 is tough. Then the Sharks have the best run out of anyone. So I actually think that um, it's being a little bit overstated the next few weeks how hard the Sharks run is. I don't think it's as hard as what it normally is because of those Origin outs. And I'd also say the Sharks have the best run going forward out of anyone. If you don't own Hines, 700,000, the option that he is this week, averaging 85 points a game this year, you should just be getting him straight in. I I think that he's the number one purchase out of anyone. I I would almost even say over Pappenhausen, and this might be the choice that some people have to make. If you have to choose Hines or Papp, who do you go for? Papp, easy for me. Um, But you don't own Hines. I, I don't think there were any in the top sort of thousand or a couple of thousand that don't own him. Like, even in, like he's been playing in torrential rain and scoring just force dropouts, tackles, tackle bus, few kick, few kick goals. Um, you look at last week, like he, I don't, he hasn't scored a try for a while. But if you look at last week, he had one loop, what one looping sort of line break try assist to the right at one point for um, Toa, I think it was. A um, couple of forced dropouts, a couple of goals. Man, he just wraps up the numbers with ease. He doesn't even look like he's doing anything. It's sort of fantastic. And that's that's the thing that sort of frustrates a lot of people. I remember captaining, captaining him, not last week, the, the week before. And he's, I think he scored the same. I think he scored 96 or 98 or something or other. But he was on he was on 68 or something at the end of the game and got a unicorn points to 96. So... There's certainly some tackle busts and, and tackles and sort of um, you know some some sort of variables sort of clutch clutch attacks that's in there that they're finding for him and that's without going over the line. So um, yeah, he's brilliant. I mean, he's averaging he's averaging just under 100. Why wouldn't you have him? Yep, yeah, you have to prioritise getting him in this week if you don't have him. Hughes is the second best halfback option behind Heights. He's averaging 71 for the year, very similar to his season last year. He's averaging 73. Um, I think the thing with with Hughes that's really good is he's super consistent. Like, he's a half that's not going to give you a 30s. His lowest score is 44. Um, He's only got three scores out of 13 games that are sub-50 as well. Um, So he always produces a decent score. He's only got the two tons for the year, which is less than some other options. And they're only small tons, 101 and 108. So he doesn't hasn't had the big ones in him this year. Oh, sorry, I, I sold him short. He's also got 103 in round one. So he's got the three tons. Um, 
He's 643,000. He's playing the Sharks. Um, I'm going to be really controversial here. I I think that the Storm could struggle this week. They they really didn't look good last week either. And this week, without Grant and without Munster again, um, I really think that they could struggle playing away against the Sharks. So it's pretty unaffected by origin. So I expect the Sharks to win. And by that as well, I, I sort of wouldn't... I haven't looked at Jerome Hughes myself at all. He's had a really good year. 650,000. The next guy that we're going to talk about is Mitchell Moses. And Mitchell Moses is over 100,000 less. And conversely, he's got the Tigers. And then he's got the Warriors. Uh, and then he's got the Broncos. So the next three games, it, it's a better run for Moses than what it is for Hughes. And I think this week as well into bye week that Moses could go 100 plus against the Tigers. I don't think Hughes can go 100 plus versus the Sharks. So that's my thinking. I'm going to save some money and I'm going to get a bigger score. Hughes generally doesn't go big. Moses, as much as it pains me because I've never owned him, he, he, um, he can have a big one in him. He'll, he'll have 130 every now and then, but he follow it. He can follow it up with like a seven, and that's the thing that frustrates me. But at this point in time in the season, you're going for wins. You're not going for season average. So you're going to get a blood like that. You know, it's not like you're going to play him every week. So you're going to play him for those couple of soft games and you're going to bench him. And you'll play him, then you'll bench him for a couple. So if you can afford to do that, he's the preference. Yep. yep. And I, sorry, I sold it I sold it a little bit too much there. Uh, there's only about a 60K difference, not a 100K difference in price. But you're going to save money. Um, and Moses is, has got the goal kicking as well for the floor, like Billy mentioned earlier in the podcast. Yeah. So it, yeah. I'm all over that. Versa Tigers this week, all over that. Five-eighths. Uh, Moses's partner, Dylan Brown, he's got to be the number one option for people. Um, I've, you know, I get hassled weekly by by Wilfred by the not giving Dylan Brown credit in the past. Um, it's it's hard though because he's got a great draw the next couple of weeks too. He's averaging seventy two for the year, deserves all the credit, six hundred and eight thousand. But that, that five eight spot is really hard because you do have guys like drink water that you might be holding. Um, I'd rather drink water for the year. I'd rather not trade him out. Um, you guys got guys like Munster that you're either holding or you've got to get back in. Uh, and other people have Cody as well, which you're not going to trade out to get a Dylan Brown when Cody's playing this week. So it's kind of hard to decide that you're going to run with him for the run home if you're short on trades. And I will say like the last three weeks, he's got 58, 84 and 44. He, he never goes badly. But in the last couple of months of footy, he hasn't tore it up like he did for the first couple of months. You know, he had 100 and 131 point score in weeks three and four. And even weeks six and seven, he had 70 and 77. But since round seven, he's only gone 70 plus three times. Uh, and for his average and price, you know, he, he certainly tailed off a little bit. Maybe, Billy, that's because the eels are tailed off a little bit. Maybe he'll pick it back up. He does have a really good two weeks. And a lot of people jumped off Dylan Brown ownership uh, when he peaked uh, and certainly when some lower scores started to come. And he was also out as well, which which made people have to sell him. So because of that, he's coming in at 18% owned. Um, that's probably half as much as his peak ownership. So certainly at 5'8", like if you needed one and you didn't have Cody, uh, would you choose a Dylan Brown for the run home over Cody if you didn't have trades? I think that I would just because Cody's got a really bad run. If I had trades, I'd be tempted to, you know, have a Cody and then trade him out in a couple of weeks. But, you know, they're probably the top two five eight options pretty easily. It's a hard one because if I had if I had to choose three players, I'd go Moses, Hughes, and then 
and then um, and then him third. But if I had to choose one in that sort of five eight position, I'm still not sure that I would actually choose him. I just Dylan Brown. Dylan Brown has those games where he'll um, he'll he'll have a high tackle count most games. Like he's always he's always in there having to go, but. Oh, it seems like every second or third game, like when, when he's really on, like you'll you'll have that step and from, from like David Fafita, you'll have a step from a, from a flat foot go and then you speed through a line and then you wake up and you're like, hold on, he's got a tackle bar straight through a line, uh, try a sister, he's over line, and all of a sudden he goes from 30 to sort of 60 or 65 and in the space of, you know, sort of 30 seconds. But then he'll do it again. And then he won't, but then you don't see any, any of that flare for some sort of time. So, I just don't have enough. Cons- I just, I just don't see enough consistency in him to want, want to, want to do it. Yeah, uh, look, I think that's fair. It, look, I would, I'd also say if you didn't own Brown or Cody, like if you own Cody Walker already, you're not buying Dylan Brown. You're just going to play Cody. But if you didn't own either of them, and you had, you know, spots in the rest of your team outside of hooker and front row forward, like say you're playing two or three center wings, I would rather just buy a center wing than a 5'8", because there's a lot more spots in your centre wing. You can rotate and use that spot later on and just have them for the run home, like a Militalo who we're about to talk about. Um, but with 5'8", yeah. it can really ruin your plans because you've only got two spots there. Like I said, like I, I would rather have um, Drinkwater and Munster as my 5'8s than sell one of them to have to get a Brown in for the run home. You know, you'd much rather just use that trade elsewhere in your centre wing. And that's actually going to beef, beef up your depth as well. So this is where it becomes really important, Billy, because I've seen teams already in like round 13 or in, in the last couple of weeks already stuff up their teams because they've realised with who they've purchased in at 5'8 or at fullback that they don't actually have room to get the guys they want to get in. You know, some people, someone I saw bought a uh, Kennedy, for instance, which looked like a, a decent value um, buy. But then all of a sudden they don't have any room for Pappenhausen unless they actually sell someone that's actually playing this week. So you've really got to plan ahead. And I think when you're planning ahead, you're just going to find that, you know what, instead of buying Dylan Brown or Cody Walker this week, you're better off holding your five eights and, and buying somewhere in another position. Yeah. The only other thing I'm going to add here really quickly is when you um, when you make your trades this week, go and have a look at your team um, for round 18. So structure your team as if there's no buyers. Have a look at it. Factor in a couple of key sort of buy players, uh, a key sort of players that you know are likely to have a buy, anyone that sort of plays on the, on, on the Friday, um, for instance. Have a look at your depth and go, am I going to be happy playing this team the following week? And if the answer is no, Maybe maybe the answer for you is look like you need to forgo a trade and potentially sort of getting 45, 50 points off of Dilla Brown. If it means it's going to completely screw you for the next for the next two to three weeks. Yep, and that's really good advice from Billy, and it's something I do as well. Put your team down that you're going to have in round eighteen, and be brutal. Like you know, put down Origin guys as being rested just to look at your worst case scenario because you really need to do that and, and see where you're at. Uh, Center week. This is probably the, the the spot that's got the most options. Um, top of the list, Mulatalo. We've spoken about him heaps. I, I really, I don't want to go, you know, and become the Mulatalo podcast. But he's six hundred twenty-five thousand. He's actually dropped down from his peak pricing. I can't believe with the popularity and how well he's been playing, though, that he's still only in nine percent of teams. Like he's averaging sixty-eight points for the year. He's one of the top center wing options. Certainly top four rotational option for the run home and with his draw. 
and you're still only 9% owned, you know, and we, you always get those questions, Billy, who's a good pod? Who's a good pod with some high upside? Who's a guy that can score a lot of tries on the run home that's not highly owned? Militalo's 9%. You know, it's he's been there the whole time. We've talked about for ages. He's got a five-round average of 70, a three-round average of 69. He's playing at home versus a depleted storm side where their their defense, like Anderson and Seve had some terrible defensive lapses last week. Guys like Militalo and Katoa and his center wing, uh his center wing partner, wing partner in Katoa on the other side is two percent owned. And he's got a three-round average of 77, five-round of 69. And he's only 584,000. You know, these two guys have been going great for a couple of months now and are 2% and 9% owned. They, the Storm absolutely gave up a huge amount of points last week with defensive lapses on their edges and outside backs. They could do that again very easily this week. So I, I really like both of them as buyers and for the run home. And I'm surprised that more coaches aren't actually looking towards them. Yeah, I was initially not as keen on Katoa, but the way he's been sort of handling himself and sort of uh, coming in looking for the ball, um, and, and they're all obviously fighting him out there too. He looks a lot sort of better. Um, he's probably better at the price too, but still um, probably not too much of a distance. I, I prefer the Mulatalo approach. I got him a few weeks ago. and I've been pretty happy with him. Would have preferred a couple of big ones to put him out of reach for other people. But you, uh, you, you, you can't hear anything, mate. So I'm just happy to... Like, 63, 74 and 93 the last three weeks. You're, you're a bit of a greedy bastard. Oh, he had a really soft draw. I was kind of hoping for a couple of big tons, mate. Like, you, you don't get Alex Johnson for 500 grand or 600 grand and go, all right, boy, give me those 65s. You want 165. So... <laughs> he got a three-round average of 77. Not good enough. I need 700, po- I need 700 <laughs> points to catch the top 1,000. So I'm like... Way off, mate. Well, yeah, I knew. Come over to my side, Ronnie. The barnstormers oh, don't know. Uh, they're not as hard on our players. We don't train them as tough as what Billy does. Oh. Come over here, Ronnie. Uh, um, I, look, I really like both those sharks, guys. <laughs> I, I think they're pretty good. But look, we've got your mate AJ as well, and and he is someone who is going tons. Uh, I I was scared on owning him last week. I, I thought that he he is he was one of the guys that could go well against your guys. And I've sort of been scared about Alex Johnston for a few weeks, to be honest, because he's had some good matchups. He went 111 versus your Eels last week, the week before 31 against the Dragons, which was poor, but 114 and 114 the two weeks before. He has now scored a ton, four out of his last six games. And, you know, it's it's just a crazy run where he's now got a five-round average of 85 and a three-round average of 85. So when Billy's talking about Ronnie not delivering, this is what he expected. 85 average for the last five rounds. And if you go six rounds, it's actually about a 94 average, I think. So he's going to set you back 695,000, though. And this is a hard one, right? Because to me, Katoa and Militalo are significantly less. And they're guys that you can be very comfortable on the run home. You might have a tough spot against Penrith in a couple of weeks. But after that, you can play them both together each week and it's going to be okay. Alex Johnson's the opposite. You know, the next couple of weeks, he's got a really good matchup against the Knights where I could see him turning up again very easily. And then a really good matchup versus the Bulldogs. Uh, Against the Bulldogs last time this year, he scored 94 against them. But then South run just goes terribly bad and they have very few good games after the next two weeks. So he's one of those guys that he's going to lose a lot of value and not be a great play after the next fortnight, whereas the Sharks players, 
might have a tougher couple of weeks after the bye, but then they're going to be a great play for most of the year. So how would you rate Alex Johnston against the Sharks players? He's averaging 67 points a game, so he's right in between Ronnie and uh, and Katoa's averages. Yeah, but he, he's a choice he's a scoring freak, mate. He just seems to get over the line. And I, I couldn't believe his points last week. He he only had the the two tries last week, but normally if he has two tries, he'll, 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 end, up, he'll end up on, what, 70 points or something rather. So 30-30 and... Uh, 10 or 15 thrown in for good measure because he, he does have a couple of runs and he tries to make one tackle here and there. So add a couple of tackle busts. Like that, that's generally, generally what you can expect from him. He, he generally doesn't punch out a, a ton of instead of only, only two sort of, sort of attacking stats. So I'm not sure what stat, stat categories he, fill, he filled in or where he had a uh, couple of intercepts or a couple of line breaks where, that, that you know, weren't counted towards a try. But he... Um, I'd, I'd be taking, I'd be taking him over the others on form, but if I had to choose between the two Crowley guys, I'd be going on left winger. Like he, that, that's 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 their bread, that's their more their bread and butter, and he's got a lot more tackle busts than people turn down and can tell. Yeah, it, it's a real hard one. Like, I think it's very to me, it's really clear that Alex Johnston, Militalo, and Katoa are my top three centre wings. And if you've got all three of those, I think you just you set up really well for your centre wing for this buy round. Um, but if you don't and you're looking at buying, I think that I would leave Alex Johnston because he's got the best upside out of the three of them for this round. He'll probably have the biggest score this round out of the three, but he's he's not going to be the best keeper out of the three for the run home and he's going to cost you the most money. Mm. So I think long term... Every week, every week I get him out there and go, here we go, 150 and then 10, 10, 10, 10. Oh, please do something. Yes, all right. If you can start on 50, I'll be happy. But then you look at other players and you go, like, you know, sort of Targo and, and um, they're on 50, and you're like, um, you get disappointed with it. So at what point do you get disappointed with, with, with AJ? Like, there just seems to be a different level of expectation. Yeah. He, and look, he's had a really good season, and I think I just think that it's going to bottom out now. Um, and that's the thing. And I think you're going to be disappointed in the last six weeks, especially, of Alex Johnston. Um, so that's why I, I would rate him behind Sharks players. Um, for me, those three are the best, so, uh, for this buy round. If you've got a huge amount of trades, then Alex Johnson's value goes way up, and I would buy him over the other two. If trades and money are no objects, and you can train him out in a few weeks, then I would put AJ number one. To me, they're the top three, Billy. The guys looking in outside of those top three, Zach Lomax, spoken about him a lot um, this year, and I, I've said many times, he just doesn't go big enough. Um, he did have 93 and 98 points against the Warriors and the Dogs in round 11 to 12, and it looked like he was turning a corner because they were his biggest scores by far for the year. And then he's gone 43, 74, and 46 the last three weeks. Uh, I think that you could basically say that the the run home for the Dragons is, is average, average to, to decent. It's not fantastic, but it's not bad. I just think that that's what Zach Lomax is going to be. He's playing the Broncos this week that, you know, are reasonably decimated by injury, but are still trotting out a good enough side. Um, so I'm not sure with a Ben Hunt out of the Dragons side, how well the Dragons will even go. I think that's probably the tightest matchup for me of the round. Uh, so I'm not loving Zach Lomax without his star halfback there, to be honest. And at 560,000, I just think the other three guys I mentioned are so much better players for the rest of the year. So I would actually steer clear. I'm not going to say he's a bad buy. Like if you own two of the other three guys and you want someone different, yeah, okay, um, I get it. But he just doesn't have the ceiling where, you know, he might go 100 plus this round. You know, he hasn't gone 100 plus yet. He's gone 98, so I guess he's come close. 
but you just don't really get that sense from him. He's just a real solid, dependable centre wing. And for 560000 with the options available this round, it's not really what I would go for myself. I think you want to go for ceiling. Yeah, it's a lot of money for not knowing what you're going to get. If you go back the last couple of years, he's generally always been pretty consistent. You know, you're going to get sort of a couple of offloads and they get a few few kicks for goals. And he's got that little sort of, you know, um, get, get the ball get the ball away around around the back for a long rate try try even when he's got three or four defenders on him. But the difference is this year he just seems to be forcing that play and throwing the ball over the sidelines two, two or three times a game. So, and with the Dragons not being in any sort of real sort of great form, I, I'm not expecting that, that extra ten points a game to get him to that sort of sixty average. So, I'm happy just to watch him pass him at the moment. He's not really showing anything sort of flary. And if you're, if you're torn on it, everyone listening, look at the ownership. Zach Lomax is 15% owned. Alex Johnston is 8% owned. Katoa is 2%. And Militalo is 9%. Those top three options this year under all pods. And Lomax is 15%, nowhere near a pod. So that ownership and, not, and the fact that he's been outplayed by the other three, that, that should really seal it for him. Um, whereas the next guy I'm going to talk about, a lot, a lot of people are going to say, Barnsley, you just love him, but he's not very good. That's very true. Mike Acevo, I do love him, and he's just never very good for Supercoach. But... Leave me out of it. Leave me out. I'm he, done. He's 3% owned, Billy, and he's 100 grand just about less than what Lomax is anyway. All right? So as far as value and draw and, and podness, um, and he is someone that's been able to show a big ceiling... Showed his floor last week, scored 19 against the Rabbits, but you guys were terrible. Tigers and, and Warriors the next two weeks. 459000 That's fantastic value for these next two weeks. Um, you're going to want to bench him for a lot of the run home or you're going to want to sell him later, and I think that's fine. At his price and what he's been able to show to do against bottom sides when the Eels are firing, um, you know, I, I'm expecting tries this week against the Tigers. I really am. I think that your boys could easily put 50 on the Tigers as a bounce-back performance, which I think is coming. And if that happens, uh, a Micah double could easily be an 80-plus type of scoreline. Um, he's obviously got a career high of 157, um, and he scored 150-plus a few times. So he does have that in him when the Eels really fire. Um, and that you know, I think that that's enough to say, well, if that's his ceiling and he's pretty cheap, I've got, to have a, I've got to have a crack at that in the buy round versus the West Tigers. So, you know, as far as cheap pods go that aren't as good as the top options, I reckon he's there. I bought him last week and I, I'm really happy that I've got a piece of him this week. Mate, if I can get sort of 40 points a week to hit ups, hit ups off him um, prior to him taking the field, I would 100% give it you. But I just can't rely on a bloke that needs to sort of have a line break try in order to get the same points as Brian Tuo just taking the field. That's where I've struggled because even if it is the Tigers, um, he needs two tries, whereas someone else just needs sort of one. That's the difference. Well, and luck, luck, luck factor can come into it then. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, he's he just scored one try the, the week before last against the Roosters, and he scored 78 in that one. So, I mean, he does have some decent scores in him still if he gets over the line. I just I, I know exactly what you're saying, and I agree with you. Like, he's not one of those guys that you're going to be comfortable having it for the run home as a guy you're going to have to rotate in and out frequently. He's a spot start type of guy. You know, you, you play him maybe 30% of the remaining games um, and you're definitely going to want him for the next two or you're going to want to sell him later on. I just think his next two, which we said like round 18 is almost a mini buy round, that, that Warriors game is at home for Parramatta, which is really important. It's not at Mount Smart. Yeah, so I just think against the Tigers and the Warriors the next two, 
that that's that's a big value play for two weeks with Sebo. Yeah, it does make a big difference. Um, it's only his second game back as well. Like he, yeah, you've you've seen what happens when when he can play when he dads out here or when he, when he when he has something to play for. Um, I'd buy. I'd take him over Lomax. Like I'd take him over Lomax just because of the ceiling. Oh yeah, I'll make. Oh mate, I would too. Like, but, but, but not just the ceiling, but um, ceiling and the fact that it's Tigers this week. <laughs> he has he has he has the pedigree. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you there. Um, I'm just looking at all the all the um, the allowable slots at seven three quarter and going. You know what? I'd have Mulatalo and Katoa over him, Johnson over him. Oh, for you're sure. Not gonna, you're not going to sell Bokes like um, um, Joey Manu and Garrick. So. And May. So, at, at what point do you come down? Do you set, do you serve the seventh position and go? Yeah, I think that it's the guys that are looking at sort of a sub five hundred k purchase. I think that's that's when he comes into play. Like you're gonna have people that can't afford to be spending six hundred to seven hundred k on on a centre wing, um, especially if they're getting in Pappenhausen this week. And that's where I think that Sebo really comes into play because I think he's your next best sort of option. Um, and I'm going to compare him to to another guy on the centre wing list for this week. Katoni Staggs is being trained in way, way more than what Sebo is. And he's 16% owned versus Sebo's 3% ownership. Like you want to talk about someone who's got some low scores in him. The last two weeks, he's gone 19 and 35 in 80-minute games. They were against the Storm and, and the Cowboys. So, you know, a little bit of grain of salt there. But, I mean, look, he played South in round nine when they weren't going great and he scored 14. He's got those low scores in him as well. Um, but he doesn't really have as many, well, as bigger ceiling scores as what Sevo has had in the past. And they're about the same price. Um, he's playing against the Dragons. You know, that's it's a decent matchup. Um, I'd rather Sevo playing against... The, the Tigers, obviously. So he's a good comparison point, Billy. You know, there's no way I would go near Stags. And I was making this point to a few people I was chatting to. The thing I don't like about Stags as well is that you, you're not going to want to play him every week at all because he's got those low scores and he's just got such a low work rate. The work rate is the worst thing in the world for me with him. But worse than that is I can't pick when I'm going to play him. Like I could play him against the Titans in round 18 and he could score 15. And then I'm going to bench him, you know, against the Roosters in round 21 and away at the SCG. And he puts, you know, 108 points on the Roosters like he did in, in round five. Like, I just can't pick when to play him. So it's just one of those things with him where yeah, you're going to play him for the 15 points and you're going to bench him for the ton. And you just don't want any piece of that, I don't think. Yeah, blokes like that, you're just going to play and play and play and play and play and play. And then Lord of averages to work out. Um, his law of averages yeah, not, too is, is 49 for the year that's his average yeah I'm not really going to disagree with you on 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 the bottom of the barrel now <laughs> I think, I think, <laughs> we haven't got the bottom of the barrel yet mate there's still some stuff to scrape up we're going to talk about Edric Lee next <laughs> oh shit oh mate Look, let's get on to the fullbacks quickly because we can't go for too long. Edric Lee's a cash grab, okay? We need, yeah, to, right. we need to talk about Skip. the great man. 172 points last week. There's quite a few people trading in Edric Lee at the moment because he's got a minus, almost a minus 60 break even. So I think the argument's there that from people that, you know, if he averages sort of 52 points the next couple of weeks, he's going to make 100 grand anyway and he's going to, you know, play the buy round. Um, so 480,000. If you've got the trades, he's an easy hundred grand and cover. I do get that. 
Um, I just, I, I think one of the things that I was talking about in round 13 with you, Billy, is that if someone ticks buy cover and making you 100K to trade out later and yeah. has some upside, they're a really good buy. The difference is that this is now round 17. So you don't have as many trades to play with. And a lot of guys that you're going to get are going to either be run home or you're going to waste a trade on Andrew Lee that you really would just be better off at this point just saving for later. I mean, there's no guarantee. He could, he could score 20. Well, he did have back-to-back weeks of 19 and 12 in round eight and nine. So there is that. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I wouldn't do it, guys. Like, I just, 480,000, I, I would rather just um, spend one trade instead of two and grab Sevo and just have him as a spot starter for the year with two really good weeks. Uh, and he's less money than what Edric Lee is. You can go up 60, 70 grand and, and get Katoa, who's, who's a keeper and a play for most of the year as well. So I just think there's too many options that you need to consider that are, that are going to have higher upside than Edric Lee and be better for the run home, which sounds silly, Billy, coming off a three-round average of 95 but 172-point game, doesn't it? So maybe Big Edric is, is on to something in the last few weeks and he's going to get career-best form at the age of 29 and make us look stupid like Jack Reed did about 10 years ago. Jack Reed never made anyone look stupid. <laughs> Except those that bought him after four tries. <laughs> The the last one that we'll touch on quickly is when we're talking about sub 500k guys, um, uh, Corey Oates just went over 500k. So actually not sub 500 anymore, but 540,000 low break even uh, in the teens coming off 99 points. Actually got a three round average of 67 and a five round average of 67. He's now averaging 60 plus for the year with 27 raw base and base base attack goes into the forties. So Corey Oates has had a really good season so far. Um, he's got the dragons, the Titans, the Eels, and then the Tigers over his next month of footy. Pretty good run. So there has been an argument that at a couple percent ownership, someone like Corey Oates might be better than the more popular players. I can almost get around it. Um, I think my thing with Corey is that, you know, Sevo is one of those guys that, like you said, he does, sometimes he needs a lot of tries to actually get big scores, but he has had those big scores in the past. Corey's got one ton this year and it's 102, and that was scoring three tries. Um, he has been very consistent, though. So I guess if you want someone that's that's not really going to give you many games that are going to be in the teens or the 20s, um, he's been pretty good the last couple of months of footy in doing that. So as a complete pod play and someone who's got a really good run the next month, I can actually see more merit than what I thought I was going to if someone wanted to pod play a Corey Oates. I'd still choose the top three guys over him, but if you needed someone different or you own two of those guys and you're price dependent, yeah, Corey Oates is probably better than he's gotten credit for. Yeah, as long as sort of um, you got uh, guys like A-Ray in there who are still giving him that sort of cutback ball in the middle. Um, like he, he, still, he still sweeps across looking for that. Um, he just seems yeah, the most unlikely first try score all the time. Like he, he, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter who they who they're playing. Like they can be playing the Storm or the Rabbits or or um, the Panthers, and you you load up on your left your, your left wing like for the Storm or whoever to run go to the line first and sort of about six or seven bucks, and then this guy here just strolls over every now and then for you know, twelve to one, thirteen to one. You're like, why him? All he does is catch the four over the line, but that's his job. <laughs> Well, three out of his last six, he scored a double. So, I mean, 
he, he's got the runs on the board the last couple of months. He's actually shown really good form, so he deserves a bit of credit. I couldn't do it. You know, if he was 400K, um, which, you know, he was in round six, I, I'd, I'd do it then. Um, I couldn't do it at this point when he's 550,000 almost. Fullback. This is where we can score big, big points this round. Obviously, Pappenhausen is the number one. I am going to be honest. Like I, I have, um, I've had discussion on Twitter. I've had discussion with with Wilfred. I said that you know, actually, when you look at it, um, it, I'm not I'm not advocating for anyone not to get Pappenhausen. But there is going to be teams who are struggling to be able to afford him. Who, if they get Pappenhausen, can't get anyone else that's going to be of note. Um, and then it is worthwhile to look at your options. Nine hundred thirty thousand. He scored one hundred thirty five points, Billy. I'm going to be buying him, but I, I will say that I did look at the options because I think you always need to, and there is a couple of really good options I'm excited to talk about. But if you look at it glass half empty, last week at the 73rd minute, he was looking at a sub-40 score. You know, the last seven minutes, he scored 100 points. You could look at that as, you know, that's why you have to get him. Uh, or you could look at it as, well, you know, maybe I can run the gauntlet because he's still got 100-plus break even. I didn't mind it in, a, in like, a vacuum this week because, you know, I do think that the Sharks could go really well and the, the Storm could struggle and Pat might be outscored by a, a Nico Hines. The problem for me not doing it this week, though, is that you're just going to have to do it next week then. And, and putting it off as a play, just you're just putting it off the inevitable and you're going to have to find the room next week and you might have things that make that hard next week. And he's playing Canberra at home, which yeah. is a pretty good matchup. So I think that's the thing that really puts me over the line because, you know, I, I benchmarked him against Latrell Mitchell, who we're about to talk about, and sort of said, you know what, I reckon Latrell could outscore him this week. He scored 99 last week. Yeah. I reckon he could do decent this week. And he could maybe even outscore him for a few weeks. But, the, you know, 300K less. But the problem is that I'm going to have to get Pappenhausen in any way. Yeah. So... I may as well just jump on board now while everyone else is um, to negate that risk. Yeah, um, he single-handedly handedly cost me sort of the three, um, $300 head-to-head buy-ins just from wanting to wait until his break-even dropped. Three three guys I had, um, I wouldn't even be seeing him. I ended up losing by 100 points, 20 and 30 points. So just do it. You've got to find a way to do it. Otherwise, the same thing will happen this week. I'm going to open up the discussion a little bit on it, though, because the, the thing that I did find interesting was that playing in Amy Park in round six, he scored 67 against the Sharks. Um, this is away at, at Points Bet Stadium in the Shire, and there's meant to be rain as well. And you know, Manly, uh, Manly made the storm look really bad last week. You know, it's, do you think that there's any way that um, if you're really looking at chasing, though, like because Pappenhausen's going to be really highly owned this round, everyone's trading him in, most traded in player. Yeah, but yeah, but deservedly so, mate. Like if you um, if you go and make a look at all the discussions we had at the beginning of the year, we, we knew this was going to happen. Like he, even when he plays poorly, he still scores to the fifty and sixty, and I can't see. And that was with no goal kicking too. So imagine what he can do with a goal kicking back, which is what he did at the end of the game. Like he took the last goal. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, look, I, I'm with you. Um, there's just I think the thing that makes it hard for people and why people are looking at options, and I know that it was one of the things with me, is that he didn't drop in price. So he's nine hundred thirty thousand, and I think that everybody that's been at that price point has all been disappointing when you bought them at that price. You know, Nathan Cleary um, dropped fifty or sixty k straight away. Um, Talakai went from 750,000 to 550,000 very quickly. Um, there's, 
pretty much everyone that's been around that turbo obviously started 1.25 million we said the same things about him as pappenhausen he went down to 900 or whatever before he got injured you know it's all these guys that you seem to pay a lot of money for um seem to always drop from their peak price pretty quickly so I guess I'm just I'm just talking about the worry and and why I think the teams are actually considering going elsewhere. Um, but if you've got the money to do it, I think that you just negate the risk and you do it. Um, he's the number one purchase for the round with good reason, averaging 100 points for the year, and that's across 10 games. So you know, Dilly's right. You've got to get him in. Um, we did talk about Latrell before though, and we have to acknowledge Billy that there's going to be teams that were banking on, you know, mathematically maybe Pat going down 50K, 60K, or maybe they just got to a point now where they just go, I can't actually afford to pay that much money. I've got to look at other options. To me, Latrell Mitchell looms as the second best fullback option. And he's come back only last week, but he scored 99 points last week against Parramatta. I thought he was really impressive. He's only 610,000. And he's playing the Newcastle Knights. Good matchup for him. Then he plays the Bulldogs next week. So... The next couple of weeks are really good matchups for Latrell. He's obviously not playing Origin. I he's twenty points below what he averaged last year. You know, eighty-two points a game last year was a really good season for him. He's obviously got the goal kicking with Adam Reynolds gone. I really like him the next two weeks. I've seen a couple of really savvy teams that have been able to pair Pappenhausen and Latrell for this week. I think that's a killer combo if you can get those two guys in your fullback spots. I reckon that's fantastic. And I think that I'm going to go out on a limb here. I reckon Latrell will outscore Pappenhausen this round. I'm tempted. Um, I'd probably, I just need, I would need to get rid of my um, my pod down there. So I think it's probably done enough. So he's, he's doing well enough, but I just think Latrell is the goalkeeper is the next to the level. Like he gets that fear factor away from you. Now. So um, I, I might, might even, I might even be tempted to do, to, to do that this week. Yeah, get rid of Avril and Savage to bring, that, bring those two guys in and just find find some other sort of catch out somewhere somewhere along the line. I think that that would be, be my two quality picks. Oh, I, I'd do that for sure. If anybody could could fit in a second fullback with Pappenhausen um, for a run, uh, Latrell Mitchell would be gold. I really, really like him as a purchase for this week and next. Um, so that's that's the best pairing for me. If you don't have the money for Pappenhausen, look at Latrell for a couple of weeks. Um, you can always use him as a bit of a bridge in a month's time or something like that. Or you could just run him as your second fullback for a while and get your other one to Pappenhausen. But another guy as a budget option uh, is going to be Billy's best mate, the King, Clint Gutherson. Uh, only 500000 He's having... The worst year for a few years. He's had only averaging 61 points a game. He's gone 73 and 67 the last two weeks against Souths and the Roosters. A bit tougher opposition. He scored three tries in that time. Probably should have scored better this year. Um, started off well, tapered off. But again, Tigers and Warriors, if they do put on 50 against the Tigers, oh, I think Gutho could be in for his first ton of the year. Um, if you're on a budget, Billy, can't afford Pappenhausen, need someone at that 500k mark. I think you could do worse than, than running with Gutherson for the next few weeks if you had to. Don't get me to worry in here. <laughs> He's... I'm getting near way in. If you're looking at sub 600K and you need a fullback for this buy round. I don't like him. I don't like him at all. Like he, You go back a couple of years when he, when he was um, my, um, my boy kicking goals, 
uh, prodigal son, yeah. But he, he's got too many low scores in him. Like he, they can play a soft team and he does nothing. They play a hard team, he does nothing. Then, then, he, then, he'll, then he'll have a half decent score against a decent team and then play a soft team and do nothing. And then all of a sudden it comes out when you least expect it with you know, 100, 120. But then he goes right back into his show again. I just the problem with him is you you get you might get him for this week, he might score you a ton, but then you're stuck with him and then he'll punch you out sort of forty five next week and completely negate all your good work. I just don't like him. All right. Well, I don't think that Billy likes Gutherson. Um, but <laughs> I, I I do, but only if you can't afford anyone else, basically. Like I think he's the third best guy that you can buy for this round for fullback. And I think he's got a really good two week draw coming up. So you know, if you've got Pappenhausen and you can't afford Latrell as a second one, I wouldn't go elsewhere. I would go Gutherson for a few weeks and then sell him to a Teddy for the run home or something like that. Um, but obviously, you're going to prioritise Pappenhausen. I think Latrell's better as a second guy, and I think that he could possibly match Pappenhausen this week and next. Gutho is a third stringer. So depending on your budget, I think you can definitely look at him. Yeah. Uh, and depending on your trades, if you've got a lot of trades, go for it. Get Gutho in as your second guy, punt him in a couple of weeks. Happy days. I think you'll do pretty well with that. Um, and I, I'm looking at this, Billy, just going, I, I want Eels players, um, which is one of the reasons I looked at Gutho a bit yeah. harder as a second fullback. I, I really want Eels players versus the Tigers. How can I get him in? It's just really hard because you can't get those spine players into your side because of the other guys taking up those spots. Yeah, that's the hard part, isn't it? And then you keep coming back to the, you know, the Tigers game. It's it's easy to get um, over-invested in one game and go, you know, we're going to destroy the Tigers. Only for them to sort of be leading at halftime, you panicking with 40 minutes to go, going, please, 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 just get over 50. So um, that, that, that's the reason. I, I reckon if it was just this, if they play like, um, you know, full-strength Storm next week on a Sunday, like I, I'd be much yeah. more hesitant. But because they got the Warriors next week, it's it's... It makes it really hard to say no to some of these. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. I know, know what you mean. But uh, if it was any other team, I just, oh, like, like I, I would have much more confidence in the Savage absolutely destroying the Warriors than I have, than I have with Gutho. I just, maybe, maybe it's because I support them and I just, <laughs> I see all the, all the simple things. I, I, nah, I, I can't do it, but. I, I, I will concede that he's likely to average of 65 in the next couple of weeks, but I, I just, for a two weeks that came out, I would just expect more than that at that price. That's, yeah, that's I, I reckon 75 plus the next two weeks, yeah. but I, I get what yeah. you're saying. Um, we do need to have the capacity debate before we close up the podcast. And we both mentioned that, you know, Pappenhausen's an easy VC option, um, but Hines is playing in the same game. Um, and so I think that, most everybody's going to go the VC on, on Pappenhausen. Yep. Can you see an argument for going the VC on Hines instead? Because you are in a buy yep. round where you can really get above the crowd. Um, and I'm actually putting the VC on Hines at the moment, even though I've bought Pappenhausen right now. So it's it seems silly, but, but Hines has got just as much propensity to go really big as what um, Pappenhausen does. So I think it depends on what... What, what you think the game's going to do, Billy? Like, I, I sort of look at Storm last week, and normally I think they bounce back, but with their origin guys out, I don't think they, they will bounce back that hard. And I look at the Sharks at home and just go, oh, I'm comfortable with Hines because even in the bad games, he goes well. But I just, I, I don't think the Storm are going to fire that much this week. So 
I'm going to go the pod play with Hines, um, but I get everybody going with the crowd because I could get really hurt out of this, whereas not many people are going to get hurt if you do the BC on, on Pappy because most people will. Yep. I reckon it just comes down to whether you actually own Pappy or not. <laughs> if you don't, then BC Hines. If you do, don't follow much league. <laughs> what about what about both? What if you got them both? Yeah. Like, you don't sit on the fence here. I jumped onto to the pod side onto Hines. I, I, I wouldn't be VC Hines at all if I am happy. It scares me too much. Oof. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. It's, it's a shame that they both play in the same game, but in a way... Unless unless you don't have depth. Like like someone like me who might only have sort of 10 players, maybe you want to go the VC route with, with Hines and hopefully, hopefully he has a big one. But what are the odds that he outscores Pappy by 50 points? Not much. So you're not really sort of adding, adding much value there. So that's why I'm taking the risk, the risk reverse, reverse approach, hoping that sort of Pappy mm. fails and you can go to pod C. So we've talked a lot about the VC options. And it, look, I wouldn't be VCing anyone else. You've got to do a Pappenhausen. You've got to do a, a Heinz. Those are the two options. They're the big, big plays for this round. But they're the first game. You know, what C route does, does coaches take for this one? I think that the safe one is Papa Lee versus the Tigers. Uh, and that's probably what I'll be going if my VC doesn't work out. But, you know, there's a very good argument to go, forget it in a buy round. Don't worry about the safe option. You're going to outscore a lot of teams anyway, even if your C doesn't fire. If you've got, like, a good amount of players this round, doesn't matter. Go for the high upside. And the high upside, if you've got Latrell playing later, I would go the C on Latrell, um, provided that you were someone that didn't have Pappenhausen and you went the VC Hines. Um, C Latrell makes a lot of sense for the upside. Uh, but he's probably one of the few that I can see in these later games, um, aside from a real risky uh, C Moses type of deal. But you, you're going to have a fair bit of risk with those type of ones as, as well. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd be doing the same thing. Uh, see the trail. Um, there's also a bit of a pod factor for you too, because most are going to be going straight to that sort of Pappy upgrade. So if you if you got if you get Pappy and he fails. Um, um, Upside view is you're still having some next week, and you get a, you get you get a second chance at still a trail, and everyone's going to own Pappy, so it's not really going to be a drama. But just you just basically 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 negating the risk there. Well, that'll do it, mate. Um, just to finish up on your team for this week, how many are you going to have? Ten. Uh, depends who my third trade is, whether I enough enough out and get a jewel in, or whether I just go someone for an extra sort of body this week. So we'll see. Another all nice answer. Billy likes to keep it t- t- tight, tight. Billy doesn't like to talk about it. He's probably got seventeen players, and he just doesn't want to tell us. But that's all right. First, first, first year I actually don't, mate. So, but, um. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for jumping on, Billy. The big buy around the last one of the year, round seventeen going to be done and dusted good luck for the bye week thanks for jumping on the podcast we'll chat again next week because i want a bit of a review on how your week went for the buy yeah cheers mate i'll let you know how my 10 players work out <laughs> thanks for tuning in everyone you can find us on soundcloud uh, audible amazon as well as itunes and spotify and pretty much everywhere also follow us on twitter nrl underscore sc underscore all stars and hit up top sport our sponsor topsport.com.au your promo code is sc all stars to create an account today Apologise if I'm my voice is going really bad cold this week, trying to get through it. But I'm really looking forward to the buy round. I'm also looking forward to the talk and footy episode at the end of this week. That'll drop on Friday. 
Can't wait to do that one. I'll get my voice better for it, hopefully recuperate. Good luck with your Supercoach teams this week. Good luck with the big fly around. Chat again and review it all next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.